In the very near future, Jesus Christ will return to this earth and establish his physical kingdom. Some even question if the second coming will even happen, which is why we will analyze this very real event on this edition of End of the Age. It has been said that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. And that is so true. The COVID pandemic, I mean, mask mandates, vaccines, the border crisis, world government, world religion, mark of the beast, pre-peace agreements, the third temple being built, earthquakes, wars and rumors of wars. The list goes on and on just to captivate your mind in the end time. I mean, it's so easy to get caught up in the chaotic events of this world, right? That we forget the most important event that is just ahead of us. And that's the second coming of Jesus Christ to this earth. The enemy of your soul would love to get you Not to think about that. But consider that at his first coming, Jesus Christ came to purchase a plan of salvation, which would allow human beings to spend eternity with him as immortals. And this was accomplished at Calvary when Jesus Christ died, was buried, and then rose again. And that redemptive plan of salvation is called being born again. Now, for a detailed explanation of this salvation plan, you can call 1-800-END-TIME, 1-800-363-8463, and ask for the free brochure, What Do You Mean Born Again? Or visit endtime.com slash reborn to read it online for free. But Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, 3, that anyone who was not born again would not even make it to heaven. And he stated, verily, verily, I say unto you, Nicodemus, except a man is born again, he cannot even see the kingdom of God. Well, then at his his second coming, Jesus Christ will return to the earth to take those individuals who have been born again to be with him. And they will reign as kings and priests with him in his kingdom for a 1,000 year period on the earth. Most people do acknowledge that Jesus did come 2,000 years ago. And many really have a, a decent grasp of the events that occurred during his life here on the earth. But having ministered at End Time Ministries for several years now, I have found that the opposite is true 
when it comes to the second coming of Jesus Christ. I mean, opinions range far and wide concerning many aspects of this future mystical event. And some even wonder if it will occur at all. I mean, even though the second coming is foretold many places throughout the Bible, because there have been so many dates and things that have been set that didn't come to pass, there are many that even question, hey, who knows if the second coming will even happen. But thankfully, the Bible provides us with a clear understanding of this. So the angels actually prophesied the return of Jesus. You remember back in Acts chapter 1, Jesus was getting ready to ascend into heaven. He had just been crucified. He spent three days and three nights in the grave. And then he rose from the dead. And for 40 days, he showed himself alive by appearing to many people at different times. At one time, he appeared to a crowd of 500 people. And this provided really infallible proof that he had indeed risen from the dead. They had seen him put to death. Now they see him alive. Well, after this 40 days, Jesus led his disciples out to the Mount of Olives to give them his final instructions before leaving the earth. And he told them to go back to Jerusalem and to stay there until they became endued with power from on high. And many that were there were from Galilee up in the northern region, which was about it's about 100 miles north of Jerusalem. So they could have gone home, but they remained. But Jesus wanted them to go to Jerusalem because um, while they were still there, and he was going to empower them and to baptize them with the power of the Holy Ghost. That was recorded in Acts 2. So he tells them in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that they needed the Holy Ghost to have power to fulfill his commission. He said, but you shall have, you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in, out in Judea, behind the Mount of Olives, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And they carried that out throughout the book of Acts and the rest of the New Testament. So after giving these final instructions, Jesus lifted his hands and blessed them. And then he suddenly ascended up into heaven. And while the disciples stood staring up into the sky, two men in white apparel stood by them and they said these words, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which was taken up from you into heaven, shall so come again in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. That's Acts chapter 1 verse 11. So this was the promise, one of many, that Jesus would return to the earth. And the disciples, however, they had no idea that it would be 2,000 years for the, this promise to be fulfilled. And though it still has not happened, and it, it has already been close to 2,000 years since it, this promise was given, 
It is going to happen. The promise of Jesus' return is firm. It's prophesied in Scripture, and the prophecies always come to pass. An overwhelming amount of end-time Bible prophecy is focused on that second coming. Jesus Christ is going to come again. And it's so important that we never let go of that promise and never forget the promise that the angels told the disciples, this same Jesus that you saw go will come again in like manner. And I want to make sure I'm prepared to meet him. I want to be born again. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. We've seen Bible prophecy fulfilled like never before. From the halls of the United Nations to the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, End Time Ministries continues to reveal the Bible prophecy in the news headlines around the world every day. Whether it's through our broadcast or online at our Jerusalem Prophecy College, your gifts enable us to put vital materials in the hands of those who need it most. Because of you, we continue to replace fear with faith in the hearts of Christians around the world. We will continue to see prophecy come to pass at an even swifter pace. We need your support. Your donation of any amount enables us to continue to broadcast and be a voice in the ever-growing censored media. To become a partner or give a one-time gift, visit endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME right now. That's 800-363-8463. Go online now. Visit endtime.com. Now, it is imperative for us to understand that the second coming of Jesus Christ, it's not going to be like the first coming. Jesus knew as the time for his second coming drew closer, that people would claim to be the Messiah. And they would claim to be the second coming of Jesus, that it had already occurred. But this is, in fact, a, a, a frequenting occurrence today. Many have claimed to be the Messiah. We've seen that happen. And to keep us from being deceived by these false claims and false prophets, we have been given specific instructions about what the second coming will actually be like, right? I mean, some have claimed to be in this part of the world or in this city and these obscure places, but we've got prophecies that are very specific on the events that will occur. 
And at the time of the second coming, a baby's not going to be born in a stable and found lying in a manger. Jesus will not slip through the back door of the world and show up mysteriously. The Bible says, then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christ and false prophets, and shall sow great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, that they would deceive the very elect. But Jesus said, behold, I have told you before, wherefore, if they shall say unto you, behold, he is in the desert, don't go out there. Behold, he's in the secret chambers. Don't believe it. That's Matthew 24, verses 23 through 26. Jesus was very specific in these warnings. So why are we not to believe it? Well, in Matthew, it tells us. Jesus said, for as the lightning cometh out of from the east, even unto the west, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. It's Matthew 24, 27. Jesus instructed his disciples not, and, and us, the people of the end time, but he was talking to them not to pay any attention to those who would say that they were the Messiah or the, that the Messiah is here or the Messiah is there. Many believe the, the, the Muslim Messiah is coming and it's called the 12th Imam or the Mahdi. But Jesus instructed us, not, no, don't pay any attention to those claims like that. When Jesus returns... There will be lightning flashes from the east as to the west. He will come in the clouds of heaven. It will be a, a very dramatic event, the most dramatic event. And he will show up in the skies of heaven where every eye will see him. He's not coming in some obscure fashion, but he's going to, it's going to be the unveiling of Jesus Christ to the world. And this is the time of the rapture, the rapture at the last trump. It's very important that we get these principles. Jesus said immediately after the tribulation of those days. Now, if it said before the tribulation, we'd be having another conversation, right? But Jesus said immediately after the tribulation of those days, Shall the sun be darkened, moon shall, not, uh, moon shall not give her light, stars shall fall from heaven, powers of heaven shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And what's he going to do at that time? He's going to send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. That event only happens one time in the near future. And what will they do? They shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. That's Matthew 24, 29 through 31. When does this event happen? Jesus said in verse 29, immediately after the tribulation. So... At the second coming of Jesus, every eye will see him and he will send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet to gather his elect. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 7 that there were those that came out of great tribulation out of every people, every kindred, every tongue, every nation. 
So it's not just the Jews. The elect is the church. And then Matthew goes on to say, then two shall be in the field. One shall be taken, the other left. Matthew 24, 40. Imagine what it will be like working alongside or riding along uh, beside somebody in a car or talking to someone, talking to someone on a phone possibly who is suddenly caught up into the sky. The people in these verses, they were depicted as participating in activities that were common at that time, 2000 years ago. But it is used as an example to explain that people will be living out their daily lives, doing normal things when Jesus returns. And Luke said, this would be Luke 17, 34. I tell you in that night, there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken and the other's going to be left. So it's going to be a, a marvelous moment for those who are taken, right? But it's going to be very frightening for those who are left behind, especially those who had been told about the gospel but had not obeyed it. The Apostle Paul also taught that the rapture would occur at the sounding of the trump of God. Uh, What would that be? 1 Corinthians 15. The Apostle Paul said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, or those individuals that have passed on, uh, Christians that have passed on prior to the time of the rapture. He said, Concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. That's 1 Thessalonians 4.13. So the Bible often refers to people who, who were saved and then died as being just asleep. Because for believers, death was considered, is considered temporary. And then Paul goes on to say, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus or are dead in Jesus, that were saved individuals, will God bring with him. That's uh, Thessalonians 4.13. So Paul was saying that those who believe Jesus died and rose again, who die in Jesus and have the spirit of Jesus, will be brought forth from the grave, just like Jesus was. And then Paul says, for this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord, Christians that are alive and remain, shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. It's the same thing that was talked about in Matthew chapter 24 that Jesus was talking about. And so with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. That's 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 15 through 16. So this is going to be a dramatic event where the Lord will come back, gather the saints, those that are in the grave, their immortal, um, their soul will be united with an immortal body that they're given. They're going to come out of the ground. And then we who are alive and remain, our bodies are going to be changed and we're going to be caught up to meet them in the air. The Bible says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. The second coming Very, very, very important. So once the dead in Christ have risen, Christians who are alive on the earth at the time of the second coming will rise together with them to meet the Lord in the air. Don't you want to be a part of that group? I mean, 
That's something that you cannot get your focus off of in this life. A lot of people are getting caught up with the chaotic events around us. And yes, we do need to be concerned about those things. But through it all, we need to have made our calling and election sure. We need to have endured to the end. We need to have lived as Christians, present our body as a living sacrifice, been born again, lead the Christian life all the way to the second coming. And when the rapture occurs, the dead in Christ go, then we Christians who are alive and remain will be caught up to meet them in the air. And then Paul goes on further. He says, behold, I show you a mystery or a secret. We shall not all sleep. Not, not all people who are Christians are going to die. People who serve Jesus will be alive when Jesus returns. The Bible's very specific on that. And then Paul said, we're not all going to sleep, but we shall all, all the Christians are going to be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. When? At the last trump. That's 1 Corinthians 15. That would be what? 51 down through 52. So there are many that teach that those who serve the Lord will simply disappear at the last trump. But the Bible does not say that. If you read it carefully, it says we were all going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And then verse 52 says, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, which means the dead will be given immortal bodies and we that are alive and remain shall be changed from a mortal individual to immortal. And then Paul goes on to say, for this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. That's 1 Corinthians 15, 53. So Jesus and the apostles, they were all very specific on these things. And they wanted to let us know. They all taught the timing was the same thing. None of them taught uh, contradictory to the other. Jesus, the apostles, they all, all throughout the New Testament, they all align perfectly with the same message, the second coming, the rapture, the saints are going to be changed when it occurs. There's not one scripture that contradicts another on this. And once you understand the structure of the New Testament and then the structure of some of these chapters and the prophecies and things, it just opens up and the, the, um, it's explained perfectly. So when you talk about mortal or immortality, you understand the Latin word morto means to die. So to be mortal means to have the ability or to be able to die, a mortal body. This mortal body, which can die, is going to put on immortality, a new body that cannot die. It's going to live forever. And then Paul goes on to say, um, then, shall it, then, then, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is, hey, it's written, death is swallowed up in victory. So when the last trumpet sounds, the bodies of those still alive, those Christians, are going, it's going to be, they're going to be changed in a moment from mortal to an immortal being. Now that is your goal in this life. Because you want that transition to happen 
because you're fixing to get caught up in the air. Just like Jesus in Acts chapter 1. The Bible says that they watched him go into the clouds. So I know a lot of people teach that, hey, we're going to just disappear in the moment of twinkling of an eye. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says we're going to be changed in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. We will be changed from a mortal to an immortal. And then we are caught up. Our feet will leave the ground just like Jesus left the ground. And those dead in Christ, they're going to rise. Then those who are alive will go up together with the dead, or they're now immortal beings now, to meet the Lord in the air. The Apostle Paul said, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? That's 1 Corinthians 15, verses 54 through 55. So that's why a Christian individual does not live in fear of dying. Now, obviously, when we're in our mortal bodies, yes, we're concerned about people dying and things like that. We don't want to lose a loved one. But if it's a, if it's a Christian and they're a, a born again, a saved individual, a lot of times a, their funeral will be almost like a celebration or a, a homegoing ceremony. It, yes, we do ball, uh, we cry and, and just ball and shed tears. I, I did that at my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter's funeral. But it's, I, I cried because I was missing him, but not because I was sad for where he was at, because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. His soul, spirit is with the Lord awaiting the time of the rapture when his spirit will be united with an immortal body and he's going to come out of that grave. The Bible's very specific on this. And so, yes, I am sad, but I'm also, I was happy for him because he's in a better place than I am right now. I still have to deal with trials and tribulations on the earth. So that's why the apostle Paul said, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? And so that's why it's imperative that an individual has prepared themselves while we're on this side, while we're still immortal, that we have obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, been born again, and prepared ourselves for the second coming of Jesus Christ. In the midst of all this chaos, yes, we will live through uh, Jesus said wars and rumors of wars and, and pestilence and earthquakes and all these different things. But even during that time, we've got to make sure that we keep the main thing, the main thing. And that is to prepare ourselves mentally and physically for the times just ahead and then spiritually for eternity by being born again. Just like Jesus told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. Does the book of Revelation frighten you? Do its symbols confuse you? For centuries, the book of Revelation has been misunderstood and misinterpreted. In Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, volume one, Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. 
This 10-part definitive DVD series and 268-page comprehensive commentary book covers the first 12 chapters of the Book of Revelation, featuring on-location photography, classic artwork, and symbolic illustrations. You'll walk away with complete understanding and peace about the events happening during the final years on Earth. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding as you dig into the original intent of the book, answering the mysterious prophecies and symbols of the book of Revelation. Don't miss this special offer. Call now, 1-800-END-TIME, or go to endtime.com to order. Call or go online now to get this comprehensive Bible study. Move Mountains with Irvin Baxter. This book by Irvin's grandson provides 30 days of devotion that will enhance your relationship with God and others. Authentic illustrations from early morning devotions at end time will help you find your purpose and eliminate fears. Commit to taking this 30-day journey and experience real life change. Get your book for only $14.99. Call 1-800-363-8463 or go to endtime.com slash move. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. You know, everyone, when we talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ, there are many descriptions of that throughout the Bible, what's going to happen, events leading up to that. But the most detailed accounts of the second coming are found in the book of Revelation, the the unveiling or the revealing of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation gives many accounts of the second coming of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation really is a book about the revealing of Jesus Christ. I understand there are, you know, apocalyptic events and the world government, world religion, the mark of the beast, all these different things that are found in some of the parenthetical chapters. But these are events that will happen immediately preceding the second coming. The book of Revelation is just really the unveiling of Jesus Christ. The, the, the revelation of Jesus Christ, Revelation chapter 1, 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto the servants things which must shortly come to pass. The, the word translated revelation is the word apocalypsis, which means to reveal. So the book of Revelation, again, devoted to really... Um, dramatizing and and telling the story of how the second coming of Jesus Christ is going to happen. The second coming is the crowning moment of all of human history. I mean, everything from Adam and Eve has led up to this point. Jesus Christ will return to the earth to put down the thrones of men and establish the long-promised kingdom of God, the the kingdom of God that Jesus preached about, the kingdom of God that the apostles taught about, the gospel of the kingdom of God, that the God of heaven is coming back before very long to establish his kingdom here on the earth. earth. Let me show you how to be a part of that kingdom. And any God called minister, male or female, who teaches, who has been sent by God to preach or teach into the world, 
Their message is the same thing. The gospel of the kingdom of God. Well, Revelation, the book of Revelation, tells several accounts of Christ's second coming from different angles. So, the, if you think about the, um, the different structural elements, the seals, trumpets, vials, and everything, you have the, the structural element of the book of Revelation. When you get to the, the seals, consider that the, the sixth seal, that's the second coming of Jesus Christ. I mean, this account is found in Revelation chapter 6, and it's the sixth seal account. It says, and I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black. Now, Jesus prophesied this same thing back in Matthew 24. And when he said, the, the, um, the sun will not give her light, the, the, the uh, moon shall turn to blood, the moon shall be darkened. Well, now it's happening in John is giving this account of the same thing in Revelation 6. He says that the, the sun became black as sackcloth of hair. This is the sixth seal. The moon became as blood. The stars from heaven fell to the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs when she is shaken of a mighty wind. That's Revelation 6, 12 through 13. So there are a total of seven seals. The sixth seal reveals the second coming of Jesus Christ as happening. Remember, great earthquake, the sun turning black, moon uh, became as blood, stars falling from heaven. And the Bible says, and as, as the heaven departed as a scroll when it is rolled together. Every mountain and island shall be moved out of their place. The kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men um, and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. Now this is the wrath of the lamb being talked about in Revelation 6, verses what, 14 through 16. But as, as we go through the book of Revelation, I'll show you that the wrath is talked about many times. Not just one time, but many times. The wrath of God only happens one time, and that's at the seven vials of the wrath of God. But the second coming is being revealed many times throughout the book of Revelation. And so once you understand the segmentation and the structure and the, the skeletal structure of the book of Revelation, it really becomes easy to understand. And that's one of the neat things. My father-in-law just wrote, just did the, our Revelation commentary, which is a, a, a detailed account of the entire book of Revelation. And my father-in-law finished it just prior to his passing away. He passed away back on November 3rd. And he finished it just a few weeks prior to his passing. And it's the most detailed commentary of the book of Revelation that I know of on the planet. I don't know of anything that's like it. That's something you might want to purchase. Call 1-800-END-TIME or 1-800-363-8463 or go to endtime.com to purchase your copy of the revealing or the unveiling of Jesus Christ, the Revelation commentary. Now... Though, it's, though this event is going to be a, a wonderful time for God's people who are caught up to meet him in the air, it's going to really be a, 
I, I don't even like to talk about it, but it's scripture, so we need to. It's going to be a, a horrific time for those who have chosen to live in rebellion and refuse to let God, uh, to, to really give their lives to God or to believe the gospel and to obey the gospel. I mean, we often emphasize the mercy and the love of God, but many folks fail to preach of God's judgment. And just as much as God is a God of love and mercy, God is, if you read the Bible at all and know anything about it, God will judge individuals that do not obey the plans of salvation during the different dispensation. Our dispensation, it is the born again plan of salvation. But a lot of people don't talk about God's judgment because it's not the the feel good message. Well, we've got to teach all of the word of God. There is a heaven, but just as much as you believe there's a real heaven, you've got to believe there's a real hell as well. And those who reject Christ, they will receive the wrath of God before this is over and they're going to be judged. The Bible says, uh, what? Revelation, I'm still in chapter 6. The Bible says in verse 17, For the wrath, for the great day of his wrath is come, and who will be able to stand? So people will run and hide in the rocks and mountains and cry for them to fall on them and hide them from the wrath of God. Now that's the first account of the second coming in the book of Revelation. There's four accounts. The seventh trumpet account. That's the second coming. The seventh trumpet is the last trump that the Apostle Paul talked about. It's the same thing. And the seventh trumpet is the second coming as well. It's another account. The the seventh trumpet account, which is the second coming, is found in uh, Revelation. And John says, and the seventh, this is Revelation chapter 11. He said, and the seventh angel sounded. There were great voices in heaven saying, the kingdoms of this world, this world government, they're going to become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. That's Revelation 11, 15. So it will be a transition from human government and the kingdoms of this world to be um, to the promised kingdom of God that's coming. And from that point on, God will reign forever and ever. And it says, uh, this is still, I'm still in Revelation chapter 11. And the four and 20 elders, which sat before God on their seats, they fell upon their faces, worshiped God, saying, we give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art, which wast, and which art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And this event is also referred to in Daniel. Daniel, what, 7, 9 said, I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit. It's the exact same thing. Daniel prophesied about it and then John prophesied about it. Daniel saw the casting down of the thrones of human government and God sitting on his throne. It is the realization of the prayer that many have prayed. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the earth. Now, the Bible goes on to say, and the nations were angry. I'm still in Revelation 11 at this time. The nations were angry. Why? Because the Bible says, and thy wrath is come. Now remember, the wrath of God only happens one time in the future at the end of the great tribulation. 
But the wrath of God is spoken of at the, at every account of the second coming of Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation four times. So the Bible says the nations were angry. Thy wrath is come. But the wrath was also talked about back in chapter six. But then now here we are in 11 and the Bible says in the time of the dead that they should be judged and that thou shouldest give reward unto the servants, the prophets and to the saints and them that fear thy name, small and great, and shouldest destroy them which destroy the earth. That's Revelation eleven eighteen. Now, their, their anger is going to cause the nations to invade Israel at Armageddon. And their attempt to destroy Israel will make God angry at their rebellion. And though it's going to be a, a time of, great, of, of God's great wrath, it will also be a time when the prophets and the saints are given their reward. John goes on to say, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and there was seen in his temple the Ark of the Testament, and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hail. That's Revelation eleven nineteen. So notice at the end of both the seals, Revelation 8, 5, and the trumpets, Revelation eleven nineteen, at both accounts, the Bible says there were voices, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. Now, I'm not going to be discussing that in great detail on this program, but I've got to mention that these same events also occur at the, the seven vials. If I have time, I might mention them. But if you look at the seven vials account, the seven seals, trumpets, vials, the Bible also says there were voices, thunderings, lightnings, and there was great earthquake, such as was not since men were on the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. That's all the way over in Revelation 16, 18, under the seven vials. So it's just one more proof that the seals, the trumpets, and the vials are each a different set of events, seals, trumpets, vials, that end at the same time, and that's at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Folks, these accounts are so detailed that it's actually hard to miss. Once you understand that there are four accounts of the second coming in the book of Revelation, it will help you to understand that the book of Revelation is not written in chronological order. If you try to understand the book of Revelation, that it's all written in chronological order, then you are going to have to believe that the wrath of God happens four times in the future. But the wrath of God only happens one time, but it's mentioned at the different accounts of the second coming of Jesus Christ, which is when it occurs. And so we want you to understand this marvelous book of Revelation, because what are we talking about? The second coming of Jesus Christ. And the book of Revelation is all about a dramatic depiction of the second coming or the unveiling of Jesus Christ. Most of us walk around day by day blind to the prophecies being fulfilled right before us. Every news report brings a new piece to the puzzle in the race towards the final seven years and the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, more than ever, it is important for God's people to understand the times in which we are living. 
On November the 12th, 2013, we opened our Jerusalem Prophecy College in downtown Jerusalem. These same courses are now available online for people who are unable to attend the classes in person. We welcome students to join us and discover the link between current events and the prophecies of the Bible. Take your place in the prophecy of Daniel 11.33. Enroll in the Jerusalem Prophecy College today. Go to JerusalemProphecyCollege.com. Now, as we go through the book of Revelation, you have the seals, which are a series of events that end at the second coming of Jesus Christ. You have the trumpets, which are a series of events that end at the second coming of Jesus Christ. And then you have, there's another account in Revelation 14, verse 14 through 20, which is the simultaneous harvest. And that ends at the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it talks about the wrath of God again there. And But I'm not going to spend much time on that today because I wanted to make sure that I get to the final account of the second coming of Jesus Christ, which is the vials, which the, there are two parenthetical chapters or explanatory chapters that are put in the middle of this account. You can actually read Revelation 16 over into Revelation 19, verse about five or verse about six, and then all the way down through the end of the chapter. That's the entire account. The parenthetical chapter is the judgment of the uh, end time false religious system, 17 and 18. So you can read from 16 right over into verse 19, verse 6, and then on down. That's the entire account, the fourth account of the second coming of Jesus Christ. I wanted to make sure that I mentioned the marriage of the Lamb, Revelation 19, That's another depiction of this second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. You know, many have pondered the sequence of events that take place at the time of the second coming. But it's really very simple. I mean, Jesus will return to collect his bride, the church, on the way to fight on behalf of Israel at the battle of Armageddon. The rapture and the second coming are one simultaneous event. There are no scriptures in the Bible that say the rapture happens. Then there's a seven year period and then the second coming occurs. Revelation 19 tells us and other scriptures let us know that it's one simultaneous event. Revelation 19, 6 through 20 is the most dramatic account of the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it provides us a clear timeline of events that will transpire on that day. The, um, the Bible says, and I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude. This is in Revelation 19 now. And as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, say, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come. Now the marriage of the Lamb is not in the fourth account, it's not until Revelation 19. So the marriage of the Lamb is the rapture, everybody. 
And the Bible says, and the wife has made herself ready. That's Revelation 19, 6 through 7. So the church is referred to throughout scripture as the bride of Christ. The Bible teaches when Jesus returns, he will be, that the church will be caught up to meet him in the air and our marriage will be consummated, will be, will be joined and will forever be with the Lord. When Jesus comes to establish his kingdom to rule as king of, the king of kings, the, the bride, his wife, or the church will rule and reign with him. Revelation 5.10 says that we will reign with him as kings and priests on the earth. And then the, then the Bible goes on to say, and now I'm still in Revelation 19. I think this is Revelation uh, 19.8. The Bible says, and to her, the bride was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. So the church, the bride, will be arrayed in, in the righteousness of Jesus that he imputes to us through his cleansing blood. And his forgiveness for all of our transgressions will make us ready to be his bride. And then the Bible says, And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Well, we are being called. But we will also be chosen to be part of the marriage supper of the Lamb. And it is the will of God that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And it is necessary to respond, all are called. The Bible says time and chance happens to everybody. So all are called at some point. And, but it's necessary for us to respond to the call of God. Or the Apostle Paul said that we need to obey the gospel and to be born again. Remember, Jesus told Nicodemus, except a man's born again, you can't enter or see that kingdom. Marvel not that I say unto you, Nicodemus, you must be born again. So we, it's all necessary for us to respond to the call of God, obey the gospel, be born again, to be part of the bride of Christ. Then the Bible says, and I'm still in Revelation 19, and I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. Now, this is a, you want a timeline of events right here, a, a, a series of events that happen. You have the rapture, the marriage of the Lamb, and then John said, he's given an account of what he saw. And I saw heaven open. Behold, a white horse, he that sat upon him. Remember, God is collecting us on the way to fight on behalf of Israel at the battle of Armageddon. That's what's happening. And so the Bible says, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. So the heavens will open. Jesus in his resplendent glory will be riding a white horse. And, he's, and he is called uh, faithful and true, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. That's Revelation nineteen eleven. And Jesus is going to judge iniquity and make war against those who have lived in rebellion and have rejected his lordship as creator of all things. And then the Bible says his eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his heads were many crowns. And he had, he had a name written that no man knew, but he himself. And Jesus is faithful and true. He's coming to judge and make war against the ungodly at Armageddon. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. It's Revelation 19, 13. You say, well, why is his name called the Word of God? Well, John 1, 1, remember it says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. 
And then in John 1, 14, it's John said, and the word that was God was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So the word of God was God manifest in the flesh. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus dwelt among us. So when Jesus returns, his name will be the word of God. And then in back to Revelation 19, this would be Revelation 19, 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed with him on white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Well, this is referring to the church who has been caught up to meet him in the air. We will come with him to the Mount of Olives. So I'm in Dallas, Texas. God's going to collect me up into the air with him as an immortal being. And we're, and I'm going to end up going with him straight to fight on behalf of Israel at the battle of Armageddon. There's not a seven year period in between this. God's collecting us all on the way. Once you understand revelation 19, we're going with him to fight on behalf of Israel at the battle of Armageddon. Joel chapter two gives an account of the army that will be with him at the battle of Armageddon. The Bible says that we, that we thrust through with a, th- a sword, but it won't hurt them. Why? Because we've been given immortal bodies at that point, the inability to die. And then John continues on in revelation 19 and out of his mouth goes a sharp sword and that with it, he should smite the nations Many, many people don't, uh, they, they don't want to acknowledge it, but God's going to be angry at the nations. He's angry at the evil to which people have given themselves to. I mean, evil is rampant in our earth today. I mean, you can tell, read the news. I mean, the news, the news media is professionals at showing you the evil that's going on in the world. And when the Lord returns, he's going to smite the nations, uh, Verse 15 goes on to say, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. He, he will tolerate no dissent because man's way that we've been able to live, uh, men, men ruling themselves, it's only brought war, war and headache and heartache and disease. And the Bible says, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. It's the same thing that's mentioned in the simultaneous harvest account in Revelation 14. So that, that, that's the same wine press. Honestly, the same wine press of, of the wrath is referred to again in the accounts. Chapter 6, chapter 11, chapter 14, and now again here in 19. And then he, Jesus Christ, hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And so he is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He will rule the nations with a rod of iron. And John said, and I saw an angel standing in the sun. He cried with a loud voice saying to all the fowls in the midst of heaven, come and gather yourselves together. Now this is at the battle of Armageddon. Gather yourselves together uh, for the supper of the of great God. That he may, that you may feast on the flesh of kings, captains, and mighty men, and the flesh of horses, and them that were, that sit upon them, and the flesh of all men, both free and bond, small and great. So we are given a glimpse of how God thinks about what is going on in our world right now. There are wars, rumors of wars. Men and women are killing one another. The, the ultimate travesty will be when the nations of the world 
under a United Nations banner will go against Israel to try to bring Israel unto subjugation to the world government. And this is going to make God so angry that in his anger, God is going to cause the birds to come together to eat the flesh of kings, captains, mighty men, horses, and their riders at the battle of Armageddon, free and bond, small and great men. And then John says, and I saw the beast, the Antichrist, and I saw the beast and the kings of the earth who support the beast and their armies. They were gathered together to make war against him that sat up on the horse and against his army, the, the immortal church. And the beast was taken and with him, the false prophet, his religious partner that wrought miracles before him, which was, which he had deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshiped his image. And these both, the Antichrist and the false prophet, were cast alive into the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Now this is the fourth account of the second coming of Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation. Again, we have a Revelation commentary you can get that goes through the entire book of Revelation in great detail. 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com to purchase your copy. So... At the end of the program, just let me say, the Bible is very clear. An individual who wants to prepare themselves for this time, to make the rapture, and that's all of our goal, Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you must be born again, Nicodemus, to enter or see the kingdom of God. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. For a free copy of our brochure, what do you mean, born again? If you don't understand, call 1-800-END-TIME, 1-800-363-8463, or go to endtime.com slash reborn to read a free copy on the internet. We want you to be prepared for the second coming of Jesus Christ. A lot of people question, well, is that event, I've heard about it for years, is that event really going to happen? Listen to me, everybody. That event, just as sure as all the prophecies have come to pass before this time, that event will occur in the very near future, and we want you to be prepared to meet the Lord when He comes. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463 or visit us online at endtime.com.